Okay, Jason, while I agree that this podcast will be most triumphant, I think that our intro needs to have Eddie Van Halen on the guitar. We won't get Eddie Van Halen on the guitar until we have a triumphant video. Yeah, but it's pointless to have a triumphant video before we have even decent instruments. <laughs> that is why we need Eddie Van Halen. And that is exactly why we need a triumphant video. Excellent! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts James D. Graves and Jason Colvin. Welcome everybody to the most triumphant Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Yeah! I am James <laughs> D. Graves Esquire. And I am Jason the Man Colvin. And, and we, we are Wild Stories! All right. Greetings, my excellent friends. Let's get into this. So we're going to talk today about Bill and Ted. We have two movies to talk about today. And then if all things go according to plan, you will be joining us next week. And Bill and Ted Part 3, Face the Music, will have come out. And we will give you our most triumphant review of that excellent or bogus movie. <laughs> Hopefully it is a bodacious movie that we can share with the masses. I've been very, very anxious to see this one. Been waiting since 91, man. I, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm more Bill and Ted, the better for me. So, I mean, honestly, with part three, we've got a, we've got a 10 year history to discuss. I mean, I know that everybody's wanted one for 20, 30, 30, nearly 30 years now. Yeah. But I mean, even that itself was, in a in a spin there for tw for ten years since two thousand ten this has this thing been creeping along and so we can it, we'll talk about that in a little while but before we get there let's let's start back and let's talk about the history of the original Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Did you see this one in the theaters? Yes. Okay. How old were you? Let's see. This came out in eighty nine. So I February seventeenth of eighty nine. So February 17th of 89, then I would have been 13 years old. All right. Well, that's about the perfect age, really. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I saw this one, uh, yeah, on a double date that I think my mom dropped me off at the movie theater. At. <laughs> it's one of those, uh, hey, mom, can you uh, pick me up and pick up my girlfriend and drop us off? <laughs> Good times. You had to go awkwardly knock on the door. <laughs> Your mom said hi to her parents. Yes. Hi. Hi. Waving. Your mom's really cute. Shut up, Ted. <laughs> remember when we asked her to the prom? <laughs> Shut up, Ted. I tell you, I remember, honestly, I remember seeing the preview of this movie coming on TV. And when, when the line came out, who was Joan of Arc? And they go, Noah's wife? I thought, <laughs> I've got to see this movie. As soon as it comes out, I've got to see this movie. And, you know, Back to the Future had just come out a few years previously in 85. And we were waiting with bated breath for Back to the Future Part 2 that same year, 1989. Yeah. Yeah. And so another teenage time travel movie. Count me in, man. Count Heck me yeah. in. All right, so this was written by Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson. 
They wrote the script by hand on notebook paper. Yeah, it stemmed from a comedy routine that they had done together. Ed Solomon was had actually was already writing. Was he was the youngest member of the Writers Guild at the time that he was writing because he was writing for Laverne and Shirley. Wow, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, he was doing these stand-up routines with Chris Matheson and who was the son of Richard Matheson. Richard Matheson wrote "I Am Legend." Yeah, he also wrote "What Dreams May Come." Yeah, he I mean, also wrote the a- screenplay to "Somewhere in Time," another time travel movie. This guy is a heavy hitter in the science fiction realm. Yeah, uh, his, in his early days, he was writing Twilight Zone episode. You know, Chris talked about how when they were doing the script, he was actively trying to not make it a sci-fi movie just because he didn't want to just be doing the same stuff that his dad did. And so it really just started off, like I said, as this comedy bit about these dummies talking about history when they didn't know anything about history. And they had just a small bit of it that involved some time travel. And then... His dad said, man, that sounds like your whole movie, man. That was huge advice. Yeah, I mean, he nailed it. It's it's interesting for me to think that Richard Matheson, the same guy who wrote the vampire slash zombie apocalyptic story, contributed majorly to the birth of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. So they had a third guy that when they were doing their comedy stand-up bit, they had a third guy that was Bob. It was Bill and Ted and Bob, but Bob kind of got tired of the idea (laughs) pretty quick. And so then it just became Bill and Ted, which this wouldn't have worked as a three piece for me. We'd have have wandered into some kind of weird three stooges thing. This needed to be the, the duo that are like brothers out there. Chris Matheson said that he and Ed Solomon were in playwriting class together at UCLA. One of the guys in their class was Shane Black. Shane Black wrote Lethal Weapon, Predator, Last Action Hero. He wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He wrote Iron Man 3. I mean, this guy's a prominent guy. And they said in class, their memory of him was that he did absolutely nothing the entire semester. And then like the last day of class, he pulled something out of his butt that was better than anybody had written in the entire class. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to turn something in? All right, here you go. All right, here you go. It's called Predator. (laughs) (laughs) And the funniest guy in the class by a long shot, he said the funniest man he's ever met is Ed Sullivan. Uh-huh. And so he, they just sort of gravitated towards each other, started hanging out, enjoyed each other's company, and uh, they would go to this little improv club. He said they had no real aspirations of being comedic performers. They just kind of wanted to be writers, you know? And so they would just improv, and, and one of the things was they wanted to do was just a couple of dumb guys discussing current events. And so he said they just slid right into those characters. They would just start talking like, yeah, man, oh, excellent. And it just came really naturally to them. Once they had the idea of what the script was going to be, this time travel concept, they would meet at coffee shops and they wrote the entire script out on notebook paper talking to each other in a coffee shop over the course of four days. It's incredible. Now, the script changed a lot because initially <laughs> the time travel vessel was a 1969 Chevy van, but you know they realized, okay, well, there was another time travel movie that involved a car that was way cooler than this. It was, <laughs> it was supposed to be the band van. It was the Wild Stallions van. but So they decided to change it and went with a phone booth, which is 
weird because a phone booth had been being used a lot longer than that as the time travel device for Doctor Who, the TARDIS. But the original idea is there, Rufus is the guy who owns the van. He lends them the van. He's like this 28-year-old guy who's still in high school or something. He lends them the van. They're driving along, and all of a sudden, they're in Nazi Germany. And they pick up Hitler in the van. <laughs> and then they bring Hitler back to San Dimas. And you can see how politically that may not be the best plot line to go with. I'm not sure that's as well received. Picking Napoleon probably was a much better choice. You know, <laughs> a little little further away would be would, is good. Napoleon is hilarious in this movie. Oh, he's brilliant. And he's not been in a bunch of stuff. And he's not French. <laughs> <laughs> he's what is he? He's Australian with like Italian heritage. I mean, he's he's not a French guy at all, but he I I always remember him as the guy who's in the bathtub during the Truman show. All right, okay. So this is I mean, this has always just kind of been their baby. Yeah. I mean, they I mean, they really worked on this concept for a long time before it actually got fleshed out and came to the screen, which I've heard them talk about part 3. They didn't want to do this thing that would be a cash grab. They didn't want to do a reboot. They wanted to do something that was true to the characters that they created and with the with these i mean it sounds like you know these are not just oh i wrote this character once it was these are beings that we've formed fully into a personality over a course of years we're not going to betray them so i have a lot i'll have a lot of hopes for, for part three yeah i'm glad that they are looking out for the integrity of the characters I love these characters. I hope that they treat them well, and I hope that they make an enjoyable movie. So I'm super excited. I don't know if you know this or not, but Bill and Ted were originally envisioned as like 14-year-old boys, like just nerds. Yeah. Yeah. But once they cast Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter and they thought, eh, these guys are pretty cool guys, it kind of helped form and change the character. I mean, they're good-looking guys, right? Yeah. Although, I love the scene where they're in the cowboy bar. Look. We are totally weak. (laughs) (laughs) We cannot possibly fight you. This is Keanu Reeves. Like up to this point, did you know who he was? Before this movie? Yeah. No, I mean, he'd been in minor roles here and there, I think, but nothing. When they saw him, I mean, they had auditions for this one. I've read some stuff that I think is probably urban legend about like Matheson and Solomon seeing them at a McDonald's somewhere talking to each other. I think that's and total urban legend. I agree. Uh, There was casting, there was auditioning that, that was, that was something that went on, but they identified him immediately as Ted. It was, it was at that point that they said, okay, now we got to find somebody to go along with him to be bill. Here's something that you can encourage your kids to be early or on time. So they had called several people back. I mean, they had auditioned hundreds of actors and they had called people back to play with, Ted to see who would be a good pairing, you know? It's kind of like Star Wars with Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill. But as it turned out, Alex Winter was one of the first guys to show up. Keanu Reeves was already there, and they started doing lines together, and then they started kind of riffing off each other, and they were having a good time, and they got to be kind of friends before they ever stepped foot in to do their audition. And so when they went in to do the audition, the guy who was already Ted had already developed a rapport with the guy who would become and so he that's showed up you, the right time, man. If you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. That's that's a great story. I also I've heard that Polly Shore auditioned. Yeah. I've heard that Sean Penn auditioned, which I I struggle with that idea. 
Right. I mean, because it's Spicoli, right? It's Spicoli yeah, I mean, 10 years. It's Spicoli 10 years later. I mean, they are both Spicoli. Why would you oh, have yeah. Sean Penn, who is obviously now 10 years older? And he looked old when he played Spicoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. And uh, River Phoenix also was, River Phoenix, was in the mix right. there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm really glad. To, for me, Alex Winter, when I saw him on screen, yeah, I recognized him from The Lost Boys. Yeah, immediately. He's one of the pack of vampires that's following Kiefer Sutherland around. That's right. First come, first state. He's the first vampire that gets it. All right. Let's talk a little bit, since we're already kind of there, let's talk a little bit about the casting in this movie. Okay. So you've got Alex Winter as Bill S. Preston Esquire, Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan, which the only thing I knew about him before, I saw a movie called The River's Edge, which is very, very serious and dramatic and traumatic and sad and not funny at all yeah and it, that had crispin glover from back to the future in it as well right yes yes and it's about a guy murdering his girlfriend and the other teenagers cover up for him i think ioni sky is in it it's a it's a weird sad unfunny movie and then you have <laughs> keanu reeves just hits it out of the park with ted theodore logan he did so well with this that he he said for a while i was worried that my tombstone would say keanu reeves he was Ted. <laughs> and you know he very nearly was because he did the, basically the same character in parenthood after this and then he slowly started to change for me when he made point break point so break just, yeah point johnny break, utah boy freaking johnny utah yeah he's a bad and then he he's muscled to, up he's surfing oh yeah oh man that that movie made me want to move to california and then he jumps to the movie speed which we're going to cover one of these days yes and then he jumps to the matrix the Matrix. I mean, he's Neo. Uh, he's been a part of so many uh, franchises. I mean, he's got Bill and Ted. He's, uh, I mean, Speed was a Speed 1 and Speed 2. He's got The Matrix, which went over and over. He's got John Wick, which has gone over and over. Yep. He's really, I mean, we used to, I, I can remember kind of making fun of him as an actor. He was just kind of this, okay, really guy. But he's he is somebody who has made a name for himself. He's kind of that Nicholas Cage thing. A career. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Okay, so let's talk about Rufus for a second. Right. Rufus is played by George Carlin, who's a stand-up comedian who has a fantastic bit on the words you can't say on the radio. We'll not go through those words right here. Because we're trying to stay family friendly. Okay, well, let's do it this way. Okay, it's okay. You can't say blank and you can't say blank. You also can't say blank. You can't say blank sucker. You can't say mother blank. You can't say blank and you can't say tits. So yes, so Rufus, George Carlin, uh, Alex Winter said that that was a happy accident. They were actually trying to get Sean Connery to play Rufus. That would have been all wrong. I mean, I love Sean Connery, but no, not not in this role. Yeah, so they were just kind of sitting around. They're like, okay, we can't get Sean Connery. Who else would be good in this role? And somebody just tossed out the name. Hey, what about George Carlin? Okay, so he had just been in a movie called Outrageous Fortune. It was produced by the same guy who produced Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Okay. So it was an easy, oh, hey, George. I'll go call George. I know. All right. So George Carlin is Rufus. Rufus is their mentor and their guide. He's also the one who shows up at the Circle K, which to me, we're going to talk about the five greatest scenes in the movie, but the visit at the Circle K when he shows up and says, gentlemen, I'm here to help you with your history project. And they're like, what you know when the mongols ruled china perhaps we can ask them let's talk about missy for a second okay 
<laughs> I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name, but I, her name is Amy Stock or Stotch. She plays Missy. I mean, mom. I mean, Missy. <laughs> she marries Bill's dad in the uh-huh. first one. Right. She marries Ted's dad in the second one. And then I think somebody said that she ended up with Denomalos, the bad guy from Broga's Journey after that. Well, I saw that. I don't know where it would have been, whether it was because they did, they they had a few things that came about after Bogus Journey. Like they had a, a cartoon series that actually had Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves and George Carlin voicing the cartoon characters. That's awesome. And there was even a short like it, the, and then the second season, it wasn't them. And then they made a live action TV show that was the guys that voiced the cartoons after the original right. cast left. So I don't know if somewhere in all of that mess that she ends up with the Nomalos or not, or if it's in this movie. Maybe it's in this movie that she ends up with De Because De that guy died. Who was that actor? I can't even remember his name. Joss Auckland. Which, I mean, I know that you know him the same place I do, which is Lethal Weapon 2. Diplomatic community. It's been revoked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Missy is uh, Bill's stepmom. And every time she leans over, they both stare and look down her shirt. Dude, that's your mom. <laughs> Hold on. Before we run on, we, okay. we talked about. Denomalos. Right. So do you know what that is? What? It's Ed Solomon backwards. That is awesome. Ed Solomon, <laughs> the writer for Bill and Ted. Yes. Ed Solomon backwards is, well, kind of. Ed backwards, day, and Solomon backwards, nomalous. Let's talk about Mr. Ryan real quick. Mr. Ryan, who is their teacher, who, before we go any further, he is a good teacher. He doesn't want his students to flunk. He has bent over backwards to help them pass. They have flunked every section of his class. and he is All you can them- tell me is that Caesar was the salad dressing dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, stand up. Stand up. Yes, stand up. (laughs) So Mr. Ryan, played by Bernie Casey, who is also in Revenge of the Nerds and Never Say Never Again. Okay, hold on a second. Wait a minute. I feel like I have a piece of knowledge. Revenge of the Nerds 2 had a song in it that was written by Ed Solomon. Get out of here. How do you know that? Because I'm a freaking genius. That's how I knew it. Yes, 1987, Revenge of the Nerds, Part 2, Nerds in Paradise, credited Ed Solomon, lyrics, no on 15. Boom. Nice. Well done. (sighs) That is is a mind-blowing fact that you will only get here at the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Right. Next credit, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. All right, let's see here. Let's keep going because if you are a fan of 80s movies, I've got I've got some stuff for you. You ready? Hang on tight. You go. Right. Genghis Khan is played by Al Leon. You may recognize him as the guy who always gets killed in every action movie in the 80s. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He was in Die Hard. He's the guy who eats the candy bar right before they shoot the uh, the police <laughs> that are advancing on the front door, right? He gets right? blown up when they blow up the helicopters. Uh-huh. Blow the roof. Lee's in Lethal Weapon. He's the guy torturing Mel Gibson with the electric shockers while he's in the shower. And yes. uh, Riggs managed to, to uh, grabs him with his ankles and breaks the guy's neck. That's Al Leon. Yes. He's also in Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Okay. He's a stuntman slash actor. And he plays Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'm going to keep, keep going. going. I'm rolling keep now. Going. Okay, ready? 
Abraham yep. Lincoln is played by Robert V. Barron. Hang with me on this. I'm hanging. You got to reach deep in the vault for this. One of my favorite early 80s movies is <laughs> The Private Eyes with Don Knotts and Tim Conway. It used to be one of my favorite movies, and then you loaned <laughs> me the DVD, and we I watched it with my family, and I kept hearing, when is this movie going to be over? Oh, you're <laughs> killing me. I, I loved it, but that movie does not hold up. I'm sorry, it, my friend. That is a family favorite at my house, The Private Eyes. But at the very beginning, Tim Conway's character and Don Knotts, they pull up to a gas station. The guy says, you guys are the two idiots in the newspaper. And he's got a real <laughs> heavy Cockney accent, right? And they yeah. end up blowing up the gas station. Yes. That is Robert V. Barron, who plays Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Yeah, he was also, and, and people who were Night Court fans, and I was a big Night Court fan. Okay. But they there's an episode where there's a cowboy on who kind of looks like the Lone Ranger, except old gray-haired Lone yes. Ranger, yes. and he's wearing a red shirt. It's the same guy. I remember seeing him and being like, oh, dude, that's the same guy. Now then, I'm really going to blow your mind here. You ready for this? Blow my mind. All right. Joan of Arc okay. is played by Jane Wheedland. Yes. Who was in Very... Clue and Star Trek Four. So she's been in some stuff, right? Yeah, right. I'm going to play a song, and I'm going to see if you can remember this one. All right? You ready for this? Okay, is that song ring a bell to you at all? No. Okay, that song's called Rush Hour. That was kind of a, a top 10 hit, the summer of 1988. That's a song by Jane Wheedland, okay? okay. Now then, I am going to play a song that you will recognize, okay? Okay. All right, that song is called Our Lips Are Sealed. Our lips are sealed, sorry. Same group, though, right? Yeah, Those the Go-Go's. Go-Go's, uh, yeah, sorry. The Go-Go's, okay. yes. Jane Wheedland wrote that song and plays guitar for the Go-Go's. Now that you say it, I totally see it. That, Yep, good job, man. My mind is blown. Nice, <laughs> nice video MTV connection. I love it. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right, so you ready for me to blow your mind a little bit? Yes, do it. Okay. Okay, so we all know that Keanu Reeves went on and had has done many, many movies. Alex Winter has done not as many movies as an actor, but he's become a pretty prominent documentary filmmaker. One of the ones that you might recognize is called The Deep Web, which he did back in 2015, actually narrated by Keanu Reeves about the dark web and the Silk Road and the drug trade that went on in uh, on the web and i i'm a big fan of a book called american kingpin which is about this uh guy named ulrich who was a he was a academic he was like a, a master's student who didn't get into phd program and decided to start selling drugs on the dark web and developed the silk road and he's now serving several life sentences in prison it's a fantastic book you should check it out but okay i digress Alex Winter, not been in a whole lot of stuff. He was in Freaked after this and hasn't been in a whole bunch of stuff, but has done some things. But back to our MTV days, Alex Winter was the director of several videos, including Higher Ground, Knock Me Down, and Taste the Pain, all by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. And are you ready for this one? <laughs> Who's the Mac by Ice Cube? Who's the... Who's the, who's the, who's the? <laughs> what? Alex Winter directed the video for Who's the Mac? What the heck? Wow. <laughs> I believe Alex Winter even directed a video for Extreme. Yes, he did Decadence Dance and he did Photo Graffiti. Extreme has connection to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as well. They have the song Play With Me, which is fantastic. 
fantastic. It's what they play during the mall scene. It has the play right here. My kids love this song. They asked me to play this song in the <laughs> in the car. It's also the hardest, one of the hardest songs to play on Guitar Hero uh, was Play With Me. That's how they knew well, it. Yeah, that's not surprising. The, on Porno Graffiti, Nuno Benincourt had the song Flight of the Wounded Bumblebee, which, I mean, if you've heard Flight of the Bumblebee, you know how fast that is. Yes. It is that on speed. I wow. mean, it's, it's crazy good. I don't know if you know this or not, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was all filmed in 1987. Yes, I this did. is the interesting thing to me. It was all filmed in 1987. They wrapped it up. It sat on a shelf. So when they first, when the director, Steve Stephen Herricks, first started looking at this, he thought to himself, okay, this is either going to be a huge hit or a phenomenal flop. They got the production company, the De La Rennes Entertainment Group, to finance the film. I mean, they're practically done. I think they've cut it. They've uh, they've done all of the shooting. And then De La Rennes goes bankrupt. And so they're stuck. And they think, oh, well, crap, this thing is just going to go straight to video. It's never going to see a movie theater or anything like that. But then some of the guys who worked for the De La Rennes group ended up working for the Nelson group. And the Nelson group, in combination with Orion, bought it and put it out there. That's really cool. I'm so just, glad too. Before they had <laughs> the De La Rennes group was was run by Dio De La Rennes, and it, <laughs> he keeps looking at it. He's like, I just I don't get it. What is dudes? What is dudes? What is that? And they they keep trying to explain it. And finally, I don't remember. It seems like maybe it was Solomon or Matheson says it's a guy with a big. <laughs> and he says at that point he finally understood what it meant. <laughs> yeah. Nino De Laurentiis actually gave us Flash Gordon. I don't know if you remember. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, he did Flash Gordon. So we got a podcast about that sometime. Oh, for sure. If, Just for the soundtrack alone. For, exactly. We gotta at least talk about the soundtrack. Okay, so let's do the plot overview for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Bill and Ted are students in high school. And they've got to pass their history class or else they're banned wild stallions who save the world from by their amazing music somehow makes peace with everybody and causes serenity. And <laughs> you suddenly went from slow stoner, dude. I get this done really, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> somehow wild stallions music makes bowling scores go way up and mini golf scores go way down. But the rock band uh, Wild Stallions will never exist because Ted will be sent to military school in Alaska. Rufus, their mentor from the future, is sent to go help them out. He gives them the keys to a time-traveling phone booth so that they can go back and grab historical figures from the past to help them create an excellent final report. But the clock in San Dimas is still ticking. There's a totally different kind of idea behind time travel in this movie than in Back to the Future. Right. You don't have any space-time paradoxes. You don't. I mean, none of that stuff matters. Like, there's no danger that you're going to screw everything up forever. Somehow, in the future, they can see that in the past that if something doesn't happen to change things that the future that they're in won't happen i don't understand how that works but i'm yeah. not supposed to because this is not a science fiction movie <laughs> right exactly uh please don't notice the the time continuum loop where they continuously meet themselves at the circle k again <laughs> and again and again and again right and so. forget to wind their watch all right so i've got some great tidbits on this you want to go into that Roll, baby, roll. All right. Let's just talk about Bill and Ted as characters for a second, all right? Okay. They're kind, 
They're yeah. sincere. Yeah. They're friendly. Yeah. They're lovable. Excellent. They're good dudes. Yeah. And and for somebody who wants to watch movies with their kids, yep. it's pretty tame, right? There's really yeah. no cussing. There's no nope. drinking. There's no drug use. There's no sex. I can think of two cuss words in this whole thing, and they're the same cuss word. <laughs> you killed Ted, you medieval weed. <laughs> That's about <laughs> as mad as Bill gets the entire movie. You left Napoleon? He was a (laughs) (laughs) That line cracks me up every time I hear it. Talk about what the director... Stephen Herrick. He would give them direction. Yeah. And his main direction was... More Labrador. Labrador. More Labrador. Because the Labrador is the dog that you can yell at, you can kick, and it'll be sad for a second, and then it'll come back and it'll be all smiley and lick your face and just be like, can we go play now? Yes. And And that's that's what these characters are. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I saw this, you know, we talked originally about comparing this movie to Wayne's World. And then we saw something today, today's date, that was a comparison of those two movies that referred to them as stoner movies, which in neither movie are people getting high. I mean, that doesn't happen. Now, I can see that as, you know, like, okay, I get it that these guys are like, cool, yeah. uh," And they have that kind of mentality but they don't do it in this. You can watch this movie and there's no there's no marijuana use. There's no drinking except for the bar scene. Like, they didn't even card us. Uh, <laughs> we got to remember this place. Right. <laughs> there are people in life that have this kind of attitude about life and this good-naturedness without being high all the time. There's nothing wrong with being genuine and sweet. You know, these guys are just sweet dudes. Yeah, just kind of so, dumb. Did you know that the these two guys say the word dude 70 times? And they say the word excellent 30 times. (laughs) I cannot believe that they didn't say the word dude 69 times. I know. What a waste. What a blown opportunity. (laughs) And actually, that is a funny insinuation that my daughter, who was watching it with me, she didn't catch. She's too young. It's funny. They thought of the same number. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a 12, almost 13-year-old. That something at 7-Eleven was 69 cents. And I saw him talking to his brother. He's like, 69. <laughs> and then he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> his brother's like, I'm not telling you. All right. Here's something for you. Alex Winter claims he gets two types of letters from teachers. All right. Yeah. Positive ones from history teachers for encouraging students to learn about history and negative ones from English teachers for affecting the way students speak. In the film, Bill and Ted claim that they need Eddie Van Halen in their band to make it better. After right. the film was released, Eddie Van Halen jokingly said he would have joined their band if they would have asked him. That is a great opportunity for Bill and Ted 3. Oh, for I, sure. I don't know what Bill, Eddie Van Halen's up to, but if he joined the band in Bill and Ted 3, that would be freaking amazing. Well, and it's interesting, you know, like the most important people in the future are all, they are all played by musicians. You, I mean, everybody can, everybody recognizes Clarence Clemens, right? Yeah. From the E Street Band, from Bruce Springsteen, E Street Band, right? He's one of the most important persons in the world. He's the, he's the big, the big black guy up front. Yes. We also have Martha Davis, who is the lead singer of the band called the Motels. Oh, really? Yes, and we also have Fee Waybill, who was the lead singer of a band called The The Tubes. Are you serious? I've never known this. I've seen this movie 9,000 times. Yep. He, Waybill's worked with Toto. He's worked with Richard Marks and Billy Sherwood. 
but yeah, all of the three most important people in the world in Bill and Ted's Gosh. Excellent Adventure Future are all musicians, which is appropriate since it's their song that has led the world to world peace. No way. Yes way. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got this for you. You ready for this? You're yeah. going to love this. Go. Picture on Ted's t-shirt yeah. is the cover photo for Van Halen's Why Can't This Be Love single sold during the Van Halen 5150 tour. Right? Very popular yes. with Van Halen fans. It was Sammy's first tour with Van Halen after replacing David Lee Roth. Who you like better, Van Halen or Van Hagar? Go back and listen to our Van Halen episodes. I would love to have this t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Dude, have you looked to see if the t-shirt's still available? No, I need to. I would wear If I bought that shirt, I'm not kidding. I don't care that it's a Sammy Hagar shirt. I would wear that shirt every freaking day with a <laughs> black vest over it. All right, here's something that you're not going to get from any other podcast. When Abraham Lincoln emerges on stage at the end during Bill and Ted's history report, his opening line is four score and seven minutes ago. And it, it appears, happens at 87 minutes into the film. Four score plus seven. <laughs> Pretty tasty, man. Nice. There actually there are quite a few historical things that they put in this movie that are really smart and really hidden. Like when they when they're doing the Napoleon thing and he's they're on stage and he's going over all of this thing and I can't remember whether it's Bill or Ted at this point. It's like I don't think it'll work and he knocks all the pieces off. It's actually recreating the French invasion of Russia that was Napoleon's huge loss that that his Waterloo, another <laughs> historical reference. Boom. Um, so yeah, they they've got a ton of the a ton of those things in there that you just you're not going to get unless you just happen to to be a an expert in these things to get them. They just kind of <laughs> nicely, neatly hid it, hid them in there. Yes, when they're at the police station and uh, Ted's dad asks Abraham Lincoln what his birth date is, <laughs> he's like February twelfth. He's like, I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> with an L. That's Lincoln with an L. <laughs> Why do you insist on saying that you're Sigmund Freud? Why do you insist on saying I'm not Sigmund Freud? <laughs> anyway, Steve Solis <laughs> is the guy who wrote a bunch of the guitar stuff, which is prominent in the soundtrack. But you know, at the last scene when Rufus picks up a guitar and starts playing, and he's phenomenal. Yeah. It's Steve Solis's hands that you're seeing play the guitar. Nice. That's yes. cool. Now, in the next movie, they get a different Steve, a Steve, Steve Vai. Vi. Yes. Again, David Lee Roth connection there. Um, and right. he's done most of the music in, in the Bogus Journey episode. All right, let's flip over to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And so as a part two to the time travel movie, you would expect another time travel movie. But time travel, although present, is a very small factor in this particular movie. So you've got, instead of this, this storyline where they're picking up people from the past, although those things do crop up, this is a movie that's more like a Paradise Lost, like they're journeying down into hell and up to heaven. And it's really based on an old Ingmar Bergman movie called The Seventh Seal. Okay. Wow. And it's a really famous, it's a fantastically famous movie. Seventh Seal comes from Revelations where it talks about the seventh seal being broken. And 
In the movie, you have Max von Sydow plays this knight who ends up trying to win his life back from death by playing death in a game of chess instead of Battleship and <laughs> Monopoly Clue. and Electric Twister. Football. Yeah. <laughs> You're wrong, and- Death. It was Professor Plum. <laughs> I never lose. Best five of seven. They decide to make a part two. Yes. Stephen Herrick says, okay, this to me, this movie seems like a parody of a movie that was already a parody. And so I'm not really interested in doing it. So they bring on a different guy named Peter Hewitt. Now this Peter Hewitt's first movie They had seen a short film that he had made called The Candy Show, and that's how he got put in the director spot. He makes a cameo appearance in the movie. He's the guy who starts smoking a cigarette, and then Death says, See you soon. Yep. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was released July 19th of 91. Budget was $20 million, and it made $38 million at the box office. Pretty, I mean, that's a pretty decent hit. Doubling their money. Yeah. So there are a couple of cool little bits in this. Whenever the robot bad, the evil Bill and Ted come back, they arrive at the Circle K, right? Yes. Well, when they arrive, they land right next to this burnt square in the parking lot because that's where the original Bill and Ted had come back to whenever they met the first Bill and Ted before they started time traveling in the first place. I got on Google Maps and I found this Circle K, by the way. Nice. So it's not a Circle K K anymore. No. Is it a 7-Eleven? It's a 7-Eleven. Yeah. yeah. So by the time the second movie came around, it had become the 7-Eleven. They had to like digitally go in and change it to a Circle K. Actually, I don't know if it's digitally back then. It probably was like they put a Animated. different sign up on the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what right. they did. We have our old friend, Chelsea Ross, playing the part of Colonel Oates. Yeah, Harris Chelsea from Major Ross. League. Exactly, yes. And also from Hoosiers. Yes. William Sadler plays Death in this. Yeah, and William Sadler, of course, was in Die Hard 2. Yes, he's the bad guy in Die Hard 2. Yeah, and he's also in what I consider the best movie of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Can't wait to talk about that one. That one's coming down the road, definitely. For sure. So, I don't know, did you notice this when you're watching Bogus Journey at the end, as like everybody's listening to them play their song? Like you've got people around the world listening to them play their song at the Battle of the Bands. Right. William Sadler is actually plays the part of a British guy watching this with his family. His family is actually, it's like his actual wife and his actual child that are watching Bill and Ted on TV on the Battle of the Bands. Nice. That's cool. And of course, we've got Pam Greer, pre-Jackie Brown. Still looks good. Oh, she looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Major babe. Uh, Unfortunately, she turns out to be Rufus. Right. (laughs) Spoiler. And then um, the band on the Battle of the Bands that's playing before Bill and Ted, before Wild Stallions gets up to play, is Primus. Nice. When Bill and Ted go to Missy's seance as ghosts, right? Yes. Yeah. Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, the creators and writers of Bill and Ted, they're actually there. They're the, the men attending the seance. Yeah, so they make a cameo appearance there, and they also made a cameo appearance in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as the Ziggy Piggy guys. The Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy <laughs> Piggy, where Napoleon is eating a Neapolitan <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Are you a Star Trek fan, like an original Star Trek series fan? I watched a bit of it, and that was, I mean, that was a fun detail because they're watching Star Trek 
on TV in the in the movie. Bill and Ted are watching Star Trek when they're kind of stuck at their apartment. Yes. So uh, this episode I've actually seen. Captain Kirk is being chased around by an alien, and he's supposed to be on this desert planet or whatever. Uh-huh. It turns out that is a location shot in California, and this is the same spot where the evil us's throw Bill and Ted off of the, the cliff. That's the same spot where that uh, Star Trek episode was filmed. Nice tie-in. Okay, I thought this was pretty cool. The evil robot us's were supposed to kill Bill and Ted again at the Battle of the Bands, whereupon the boys would invoke their wins against death to get resurrected. So like they had nine lives or something? I, I guess like they had beaten death in Twister and in Battleship and in Clue, so they had like extra lives, so to speak. <laughs> i really love how death like become he moves from this ominous figure to this guy who's just kind of hanging out like i'm just along for the ride and then he moves into the yeah i'm gonna do a rap here at the end of this thing it's uh, i just think it's hilarious what they do with the character of death and i'm really excited to see what they're going to do with it in face the music yeah, he's been beaten, and so he's kind of a part of the gang, right? Yeah. I love it when he looks at God, and he's like, he like explains to him, he's like, they melvin me. <laughs> the um, At the end, whenever he's rapping, when death is rapping, this is kind of, this is a weird kind of twisted fact here for you. Okay, so he does the, you could be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later, you're going to dance with the reaper. These were actually the last words of Robert Allen Harris, who was the first man to die on death row in California in 25 years. Wow, that's cool. I've never heard that before. All right. Uh, This is a cool, most people caught this and I get it, but it's still worth mentioning. If you're not a super 80s music fan, this might have gotten past you. But when they meet God, first of all, they maintain their sweetness when talking with God, right? Ted's like, You are a most noble creator. Great job on earth. Bill and I enjoy it on a daily basis. Before they get to God, in order to get into heaven, they have to prove themselves worthy. And so Ted says, every rose has its thorn. Every night has a dawn, just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. These are key lyrics to the song. Every rose has its thorn by poison. Love that song. When this movie was released, opening weekend, it finished number two. Do you know what it finished number two, too? Yes, I do. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Right. Which involves a robot going back in time <laughs> to kill somebody in order to change the future. How ironic is that? Huh? Okay. So, I'm about to blow your mind. It's last note on my paper. Okay. We can talk about some best scenes here in just a second, but I'm going to blow your friggin' mind. The mall. Yes. When they have to go and build their own robot versions of themselves and they're taking the aliens and they go to the building emporium, the mall yes. that they go to is the same mall that was the Twin Pines Mall in Back to the Future. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is excellent. Or Lone Pine Mall. It's got to be Depending on Mall. what, it's- you know, what Spider-Verse you're in. <laughs> in my mind, it's Lone Pine Mall. Okay. Well, I want to talk about the songs for a second. Okay. So we talked briefly about Play With Me by Extreme. Yeah. Great song. Fun. Fantastic. The lyrics are great. If you've got young kids, play it for them. They'll love it. Okay. 
in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Kiss contributes a great song. You and I have talked about the fact that I'm not a big Kiss fan. God Gave Rock and Roll to You is maybe their best song. Okay, this is great. Great song. It's the song that wins the battle of the bands. It's such an interesting thing that they decide to come back. Now, here's a bit that's, that it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays into Face the Music because they they conquer the bad guy. They're there. They're about to play their song for the battle of the bands, which is supposed to be the thing that makes the, you know, that moves everyone, right? And they suddenly realize that they can't play their instruments. And so they hop in the phone booth. They leave and they it, it basically say they've been gone for 15 months and they look like the guys from ZZ Top, right? And they play this beautiful guitar piece, which was written by Steve Vai, which ultimately flows into God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Well, when they come in, they both have babies on their back. And we know from the preview that we've seen and from the, you know, the cast listing that Face the Music involves daughters, not sons. Right. But then I was talking with you. This is nearly 30 years ago. Like those sons are going to be like father age themselves. These are not teenage sons. So they had to go. They have, I mean, these have to be the, the little sisters or whatever. But, you know, of course, Ted's son's name is Bill and <laughs> Bill's son's name is Ted. But, you know. <laughs> On that note, I think it's funny that these characters continually t- speak each other's names all the time. Oh, yes. Uh, like a million times. It's like, <laughs> I, Bill, my I friend. Forget. Yes, Ted, my friend. <laughs> um, I, do, I did hear something funny on an interview with Chris Matheson. So they were working on the script for Bogus Journey. And it was late, and they were typing away. Actually, Ed Solomon was typing. Did you hear the story? No, go. And it was late, and they, you know, they're sort of slap happy, and they were working on it. And the next day, when they reviewed their notes, the word "station" was written in the middle of a sentence, just very obscurely for no reason. Just the word "station." And they thought that was the most hilarious thing in the entire world. Like, why would you type the word station in the middle of the paragraph for no reason? And so that's why the word station is so prominent in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Like, that's the name for the aliens in the future, right? That's the, that's the only word that the aliens can say is station, station, station. Okay. And that's even why, like, Evil Ted is, like, fist bumping saying station. So let's let's just talk. Uh, you did the, the plot overview for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Do you want to do the plot overview for Bogus Journey as well? Or do you want me to do that? Uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? So in the future, a disgruntled gym teacher named Chuck Dadenomalus <laughs> I thought it was a gym teacher. Comes in with armed soldiers and takes one of the phone booths in order to send two robot versions of Bill and Ted back in time in order to kill Bill and Ted so that he prevents world peace from occurring and thereby changing the future into the future that he has imagined. The evil robots are successful in their attempt to kill Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted are dead. They face death. They face hell. They face heaven and ultimately are introduced to aliens that help them build new robots to help them overcome the evil robots, ultimately ending them in the battle of the bands where they 
successfully play a song that brings about a feeling of unity and happiness for all who are watching on TV. I thought it was interesting, flipping back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh-huh. One of the characters that they were interested in grabbing uh, in the yes. earlier drafts of the script, uh, they talked about grabbing Charlemagne. Who they called Charlemagne. <laughs> <laughs> and Babe Ruth. I mean, they actually filmed scenes where they had taken somebody who was not famous named John the Surf. There was a f- scene John, in... John the Surf. John the Surf, yeah. John the Surf. John the Surf was... He was still credited in the credits. I don't know. I mean, he was in the movie, but got credited in the credits. And Bill and Ted were supposed to take the princesses to prom. That's That scene got cut as, cut as well. I know Alex Winter went back and tried to find those that old footage, but he basically found that it went the way of the Dale Arnitis group and was no more. It is lost in the strands of time. All we are is dust in the wind. Like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. <laughs> You killed Ted, so you medieval dickweed. <laughs> I just want to say that every once in a while. It's like, oh, I just I just like saying that. Uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey is enjoyable. It's just not. It's just not excellent adventure. It it, it is not. I'll but, be interested to see yeah. how we rank these, like one, two, and three. Right. I'm hoping that three can compete with two as the second best. Sure. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think three is gonna be as good as one. I don't think there's any way. No, I don't think there's any way. Not not as far distance as as far distant as they are i don't think there's any way that it's going to be yeah i just hope it's honestly i'm I, I hate to say this i hope it's not a disappointment set your expectations low and maybe it won't be right this one is i mean this is 30 this nearly 30 years it's 31 years after excellent adventure so that's that's a lot of time also it seems kind of weird that 50-year-old men would be talking like, yeah, bodacious, you know. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to go. I tell you what I'm excited about. It's it, And I, I, I've touched on this before, but it's the thing that all, of guy, all guys our age kind of go through where we just all expected to be superheroes or rock stars or sports gods or something like that. I mean, it's we all had this expectation that we were going to do something great. And then here we are at middle 40s like i feel like i just was meant for so much more and these guys flat out got told (laughs) you're going to cause world peace you are meant for not only something great the greatest thing of all time and they have arrived at middle age and nothing's happened yet yeah if there's that's a good i mean that, that's a good plot point i think so i'm i'm hopeful that they are able to make something beautiful out of that while maintaining the goofy crazy silliness of it all all right well that's our opinion we want to hear from you guys what do you think bill and ted's excellent adventure better bogus journey better what are your expectations for part three what's your funniest line favorite scene weigh in we want to hear from you yeah, hit us on Twitter at Shirley Podcast, on Facebook at Shirley Podcast, or email us like some folks have done, Shirley Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Be my friend, be excellent to one another, and party, party on, on, dudes. Dude.